This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This episode features Ali B. Gorey. She's an optimist, actor, and advocate on a mission to build a more inclusive world. And Ali B. does a lot of work on accessibility. And we had this conversation a while back. This might be one of the ones I've had in the vault for a while. And it was a great conversation. And I've been wanting to release it for a long time. But part of the reason I haven't released it yet and why I'm finally releasing it today is because it's about accessibility. And I was trying to figure out how to make the the episode as inclusive as I could and as accessible as I could. And I'm still figuring that out. Part of the thing with all of this work is um, that the barrier of entry is is hard. Um, so So how do we make things more accessible? So in the links to the show notes, you'll see a link to the transcription on Otter. Um, that is a an AI transcription service. Uh, it it is a start. Unfortunately, when I'm releasing this right now, the transcription will just be our conversation going forward. I'm going to work on my flow better, so hopefully I can transcribe the whole episodes. I did upgrade to the Otter Pro. So if you want to subscribe and support this this podcast, um, there are costs that come to making it. I don't do it for the money, but there are costs involved, both time and financial. So if you want to support this podcast, you know, check out our Patreon, um, at least subscribe to the newsletter. Um, but of course, your ears and your eyes, if you're reading the transcription, um, hopefully I'll, I'll reload this one and do it with a full transcription. But this is a start. And I wanted to get this episode out because it's an important conversation to have and share. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, also, just want to mention that Ali was recently mentioned or recently penned an article in American Theater Magazine. Um, you can check that out on americantheater.org. There's a link in the show notes. The article's called Inclusion. We Can't Do It Alone. And we talk about what that all means. And it, it comes down to... The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. So this is Ali B. Gorey. We're talking about arts, medicine, and accessibility. Let's have a conversation. What's up? Hello, hello, how are you? I am great. A car alarm just started going off outside, so I apologize. I don't hear it at all on my Yeah, end. it just went off. It just went off. Like, literally right when Zoom was connecting, it was like emergency status. I'm going to see if I can be on my computer somewhere where I'm not a beam of sunlight. Hold on. <laughs> I went to my parents' house today, um, and I just had my computer. Because sometimes when I do grad school stuff, I have to, like, get somewhere, like, just go somewhere else. Um, but I'm going to just sit on the floor because that's my jam. <laughs> And you're still a beam of sunlight. You're always a beam of sunlight. Don't forget that. <laughs> um, grad school stuff. So, uh, so you're in grad school. Yeah, I'm studying arts and medicine, so I'm loving it. When did you start that? Started in August. 
Um, and it was a program I've been looking into for like a year and a half. And then it kind of took the pandemic to be like, well, I can't use the excuse of not having like the time or like not having the white space on my calendar. And this is the first maybe time I've ever been able to add something on my plate with like while still maintaining my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this sounds good. Um, so I applied and, and then the rest was, was history. Um, and where are you doing that through? Through, through University of Florida, actually. So what's interesting is they kind of were the like founders of this idea of arts and medicine, which is different from like music therapy or drama therapy. Um, Cause there's no, like, we're not trying to, as we're called artists in residence, which I love, it feels very Grace Anatomy, but um, <laughs> we're not trying to like fix someone's issue. We're not trying to um, be their mental health um, provider like a drama therapist or a music therapist we're like just trying to get patients engaged in like a flow state of creativity while they might be at the hospital or while they might be in like a any kind of treatment program so it's more about like helping people express themselves and find themselves when they've like become a patient and their like identity feels stripped away so it's really cool because you're not you're just there to like be a source of like joy and fun and um you know, maybe even distraction to, to folks when they're going through medical stuff, mm -hmm. which I love. Source of light, you might say. Yeah. The theme, <laughs> the theme. Um, and so what are some of the ways that you do that? Because I know like with yeah. music, yeah. There's a ton of different ways, right? And like the, the reason I chose it too, because I have thought about young music, art, therapy, dance, all, all of the alternative therapies, but I was like, I don't want to also like bound myself or bind myself to one medium. Like that doesn't feel good either. Um, so for example, I just finished my, my research paper for this course, I'm, the class I'm in now. And it's talking about how um, like doctors in med school need improv classes. Like, like, so it can, and it's, so it's also like for the providers too. It's not just patients. It's like very broad. I was talking about how when doctors have access to improv training, they are more prepared for like the range of patient encounters that they're going to have without like having a predicted outcome. And like, it's like, it gives them the ability to learn how to actually like listen to like both verbal and nonverbal cues without making a snap assumption. And like, you know, it teaches them like, how will you respond in a pandemic? Like, you know, like to think on, to think differently. Um, so that was really fun kind of using all the, it's like, oh, all those years at UCB aren't a waste. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but yeah, so that was what I was studying now. Um, but then it also could be like one of my favorite stories I saw is this dude was in the hospital. He'd had a heart transplant. He's had heart stuff for his whole life and he loved to write lyrics. And so he wrote this like rap and then Whereas like a music therapist might like guide what the rap would be about or like talk about like how like like the reasons behind the lyrics. This in this situation, the artists in residence came in and they were like, oh, well, you provided us with the lyrics. So we'll give you like the like the bass and the instruments and we'll help you like compose like this thing. So they basically turned his uh, hospital room into a recording studio and just like made an album of his stuff and so it was cool because he was the one driving the ship and they're just like we got you so like who who is it like for and meaning like um do you have to have like there's different levels of insurance um 
through yeah. the pandemic, like I was, didn't have insurance for a while because my last job, like my insurance had lapsed or whatever. Right. Um, and during the pandemic, like I have insurance again, but like, uh, so I actually got checked out yesterday. Um, and it was like one of those situations where the level of insurance, like I, you can see the difference in like the level. In the level, yeah. Yeah, and like this was like, rough um I'm and I'm relatively healthy so it doesn't really matter but it just gets me thinking yeah like who gets this kind of treatment yeah and then like for me to like know to I wasn't in any rush yesterday so like to be patient and kind to everybody working there um because they're dealing with a lot like you know so to try to be a source of light yeah you know there so yeah, yeah, so just curious about that. Yeah, yeah, and it all kind of depends on the hospital and like the way it's structured. So, like for example, like we couldn't really even apply for the program and a lot of hospitals do have some kind of arts programming, but it depends on like what type of hospital it is, like who who you know is paying for that programming like in terms of donors or or you know, cuz a lot of times any like additional programming like that is funded by like community funders or um and and sometimes there's like grant I mean there's a ton of grants obviously but um so yeah it really depends but like you know we couldn't I'm in Birmingham now and we have a really amazing teaching hospital that has an arts and medicine program so like I can go do my internship or like whatever there um but yeah it really depends on uh like where you can practice and who like where the resources are already or if you just want to like dive in and like know that you're going to be getting zero dollars <laughs> but it's really for your heart so i think there, there's a lot of different ways and i think that's what is so interesting about it is like you know i was talking to to brandon from jws who works at hospital for special surgery and he's like oh my god like this is something that like we need here and like we kind of have it so like it would be an easy addition but like it's because that hospital values that so mm-hmm. It really, it's, it's, I wish I had like a concrete answer, but. Yeah. And you know, and these are all things to like work for, but it just makes me think actually, as we're sitting here talking um, and sort of going through that yesterday and sort of seeing just kind of, I don't know, being kind of detached from the situation and then sort of like being like, okay, like I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to go through this process as peacefully as I can for my own sake and hopefully for the others working there. Um, but then, but then kind of leaving and just sort of thinking there's nothing I can really do about that. Um, short of changing the entire healthcare system, which right, is something I, I believe in. Um, but then just thinking like talking with you, like maybe, as Jen always talks about bringing art into artless spaces, um, yep. these are places where, and I'm sure it'd be hard work, but if there's a way of, you know, it's just like a project in the back of my mind, but thinking, yeah. oh, maybe that place, maybe there's a way to talk to somebody to get artists, volunteers who want to just do do that to like brighten brighten the mood up in that place 
Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's, that's exactly what, it's so funny you talked about art in artless spaces. Cause when I was applying, that's exactly what I talked about. I was like, you know, as an artist, there are so many, you know, it's like, there's, there's a theater shutdown right now. Like we, where can we do our art? Well, let's, we're creative people. Where, where can't we do our art? Like, you know, where can't we go? Um, and then, you know, if one of the places, cause I know I've spent time in hospitals, like I've spent plenty of time in doctor's offices. And if I know that that's somewhere where I've spent a good chunk of my days, uh, then, and I, and I'm also an artist. Well, like, I know enough about how these places work and like where the like empathy gaps are and where the creativity gaps are to, to try and fill some of those. So, you know, and it might not be hospitals for some people, it might be something else. Um, and, and that's cool. But yeah, I love that idea of, of bridging the artless spaces gap for sure. And so you're in Birmingham, Alabama, you said? I am. It's where and I'm from. That, that's where you're from? And I said I would never come back here. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, like that is somewhere that intellectually right now, um, I have no desire to go um, It because it scares me. Yeah. Uh, and I will say like I, well, my dad's from like Florida, so that's like kind of its own thing, but it is also... <laughs> A lot of people think Florida's not the South um, and people from Florida will tell you actually that it is, it might be its own thing, but it's still the South. Um, like my dad integrated his high school. Um, and then when I went back to school, I actually went to Virginia Commonwealth University, which is, was the capital of the Confederacy, but it's the, also was like the Northern most Southern state. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is a little bit unique. Like some people call it like the gateway to the South. Um, but I will say going to school there was interesting because there were things about it that I fell in love with. Um, that Southern hospitality. It um, doesn't hurt. It's yeah. amazing. I remember when I got to my office, I mean, you know, I'm working a corporate job now too. And I was like, on my first day of work, I had like a a, like a goodie basket on my desk in my cube. I was like, Oh, that is so charming in New York. They'd be like, sit down and shut up and do your work. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's, um, so yeah, so that's, I guess a question for you. I'm just kind of curious, like, yeah. What do you love about your city where you come from, especially being somebody who left, maybe didn't want to go back. Um, and then now I think it's, it's good that you're back also though. I mean, that's where your family is. It is. Yeah. Like, it's, we have this opportunity to do whatever right now. Um, and one thing about getting older, like you're a little bit younger than me, but like, I'm getting to the point like where I'm just starting to realize my mortality that I'm not going to be here forever. Um, right. that there's like a really is a finite amount of time. Um, and the reality of that just gets more real every year. Um, but to be able to like spend that time with your parents, you know what I mean? They're not going to be here forever. So, so it's good. You know what I mean? And right now things are always moving forward, but we are in a moment of like reflection, like things are not like things are not what they were before and things aren't what they're going to be in a few right. months to 
few years from now, whatever that looks like. So yeah. yeah, how are you doing? Like, tell me a little bit about where you come from and like what you think about it now. Yeah, totally. So it's, it's just such an interesting time to be back here. And I am actually, you know, in an interesting sense, I am glad to be back here right now. And I would, that's just never something I pictured myself saying. Um, yes, my entire family is here, like at least my whole dad's side. And I have a, a bunch of cousins and, you know, I still have both sets of grandparents and they're both here. Like my mom's parents actually just, we moved them here from Florida. So it's like, okay, this is a very rare time in my life where like I would like we're, the gang's all here, you know? Um, but it's, it's actually just, it's so interesting um, being here in this, in the way our, our world and our country is right now. And, um, you know, in, I've, I've started this job in a corporate um, construction firm doing diversity and inclusion work. And that has been extremely, um, I always, I feel like I say eye opening all the time and I'm like, I don't want to use an eye metaphor because I'm like legally blind, but I just, I'm like, Oh, it just really opened my eyes to this thing. Whatever. I'm going to use it a million times. Um, but it has been very, um, interesting and just like, like being able to be an observer for a little bit because when we're in New York to an extent, we're kind of in this like, um, echo chamber sometimes with like the folks who are around and we're all like, yeah, we believe this, we stand up for this, we fight for this. And like, we don't really challenge why. And being here, I'm listening to so many different perspectives. Um, so many like very, um, opposite viewpoints. Um, so many just like folks that have never even thought to challenge their own beliefs or like where their beliefs even came from and like unpacking that with people in a way that isn't judgmental but it's like oh yeah just like explain like like tell me more about that or what do you mean by that or um and and then the other layer of that too is you know in new york i work so much in in the disability community and down here you know disability it's still like it feels like 10 years a lot of things here feel like 10 years behind um which is actually while I could choose to get really frustrated with that and like frustrated with where people are in in their own journey as someone who loves to have these conversations and talk about um just difficult <laughs> things um I like it because I, I feel like I can actually do work here that that is new maybe and that is like um actually like helpful and it's not like someone's like yeah we get it like we know what accessibility is or we know that we can talk about disability openly or we know that we can ask questions about race or um it, it's kind of exciting to be able to facilitate some aha moments whereas in new york it's like i feel like we were all just like on this and you know, that was me assuming, but it's like, everyone's just going and we're all like feeling the, the same, uh, or maybe not the same, but similarly in our views and in our beliefs and in what we're fighting for. Um, so I kind of love it, especially the disability work I do. I love it here because people are so focused on being polite down here and not wanting to mess up and, um, wanting to be like considerate and sweet and like that, that, that no one does anything. And so it's exciting to sort of disrupt that and be like, no, like make a choice, <laughs> like, like try something new and get uncomfortable for a second. Um, so weirdly enough, I'm actually grateful to be here right now. Now, do I see myself here for the rest of my life? I really don't know. 
but I feel like the opportunity to reach folks and like to share things that maybe we haven't considered before down here, it's kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's how I felt during like the pandemic, during like the Black Lives Matter marches in New York. Yeah. It's sort of like, there, I mean, there's plenty of racism to address in New York still yeah. and everywhere. Um, but I also feel like, yeah, that conversation very much is happening here. Mm -hmm. um, and I also feel in this place of, you were talking about frustration. And I'm sure it's not that you don't feel frustration sometimes. Like oh, I, I feel a lot of frustration. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's good. And I think it's good to like acknowledge that and it's valid. Um, but kind of what you're talking about is like, but by itself, it's not productive. That doesn't mean it's not valid to have that feeling, but it's like, so you're frustrated. So now what? Like, yeah. And sometimes you just need to sit with how you're feeling. But like at a certain point, if you've been like dealing with it, then dealing it's like, with it, yeah. now what? Um, what are you going to do about it? Are you, do you want to do some work to try to do something about it? And yeah, and like, so for me, it's like thinking a lot about what am I doing? What am I trying to say? How am I trying to say it? And how do I say it in a way that actually maybe can like open somebody's mind up? Rather than shutting them down. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree with you. I really hear you there. Mm -hmm. And you're in a place also where it's like, yeah, if people haven't been having these conversations, yeah, that's a great place to like start the conversations and yeah. hopefully, yeah, maybe open and change people's minds, you know? Yeah, it's exciting. It is. It's, uh, again, like I never pictured myself being here and like, I wouldn't say I'm, 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 I'm here for it right now. I'm not going to say I love it or it's like the best thing ever, but yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's neat to, to be here at this moment. Um, and you know, just, just focus on staying present staying here and listening to what people have to say. So tell me a little bit about like the disability work you did in New York. Um, yeah. now, kind of how you got into it and yeah. 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 To... So What's interesting is, and it took me till kind of, you know, coming to, to Jen's studio to connect a lot of the dots in my own like disability advocacy journey, but I've been doing disability advocacy work since I was a kid and I just didn't see it as that because I just was like, it's just what I do. Like, I'm not a, I don't, I'm not advocate. I'm just like, I, I see it as something that's not right. I want to fix it. Like, let's do it. So, um, I've lived with a low vision my whole life. The I'm legally blind, uh, I, you know, when I was a kid, the doctors were like, maybe your daughter will uh, be totally blind or maybe she'll be able to see an M&M from across the street. Like, we don't know. So, uh, you know, I've always been sort of having to learn to navigate my own um, vision. But uh, because I, I grew up, went, went to public school, like was the only kid with low vision that I knew. Um, and then when I got to be a teenager, went to a, a specialist that told me that I could do a lot of things uh, with some low vision technology. She was like, you could learn to drive. You could, uh, you can use all this stuff with your studying. Like, let me get all this stuff installed on your computer. Let me get you this special screen that reads stuff to you. Let, like, and like my world was open. All these, all these limits for me 
um, you know, and, and the glasses I learned to drive in are glasses that I wear to the theater. And I, I all of a sudden have never seen facial expressions in a Broadway show before. And if I sit on the front row and wear these glasses, it's like, oh my God, people have faces. So uh, that was a cool moment for me as a teenager. And I realized, I asked her, you know, like how, how do other kids get this? Like how many other kids do you see? Like, and she said, well, you know, it's kind of tricky because insurance doesn't always cover this like extra stuff. And um, there are a lot of kids in rural areas that don't even get to come see me. And I was like, well, that's bogus. Like, no, we're going to change that. And so um, as a kid, I did a lot of work with her to like raise awareness about her low vision center. And it's in the big teaching hospital where I'm actually going to be doing arts and uh, medicine stuff. So it's kind of full circle, but um, created an organization that raised funds so that all kids and teenagers can get access to low vision technology and then also have a place to come together and like talk about what it's like to have low vision because like all my, you know, sighted friends can be like, God, that must be so hard. And you're like, yeah, it is. But like, you don't really know. And like, no shame to them. Like, I love the the kindness, but it was, it's been great to have that kind of uh, community. And so creating that as a young person sort of sowed seeds in me that like, this is, it's what I love. It's what I felt the most alive doing. Um, but you know, you go to musical theater school, you get trained to do only musical theater. And then if you want to do anything else, you're considered like not dedicated or not driven or not like, oh, you don't really want this. So um, I feel like some of my advocacy work just like was really either quiet or just like told that it had to take a break. Uh, and then I remember moving to New York and going through my own journey of like, oh, I really need some accommodations here. Like I really need to figure out uh, how to be successful. Like this is hard. I don't have an occupational therapist teaching me how to get around like I did at home. Uh, I mean, I could have, but sometimes my own independence gets in the way. Uh, so anyway, was, you know, going through the auditions, wasn't seeing anyone else with any disabilities that I could like talk to or whatever, uh, would ask for accommodations at like, you know, the equity building. And I'd be like, can I get these sides in large print? And they're like, you can go make a copy at FedEx down the street. And I was like, huh, that sucks. Uh, weird because you know when you're a kid you get accommodations like if you're in a public school if you're an adult like you got to be really crafty all the time because it's unless you're in a like a constant office job where it's like a requirement uh no one cares so <laughs> unless you make them care kind of uh so anyway saw that and then was just really realizing that like I wasn't seeing a lot of disability representation I wasn't able to talk to people about it um and I, I had had conversations with friends about it. Um, and I was like, well, this is weird. And like, we don't have any tools to advocate for ourselves in the industry. Like I can advocate for myself in school, but it's different in a dance call or it's different in this. And so I just started reaching out um, to folks in New York. There's an amazing woman named Christine Bruno, who um, she used to work with the National Alliance of Inclusion in the Arts, but that organization kind of like disbanded and now she's a freelance inclusion consultant. And she's like, I, some, she's amazing. And she's like my blind girl manager. Cause whenever there's a role that's like, we need someone with low vision, uh, she'll send out an email blast to all the people with low vision and say like, this is how you submit. Uh, or if there's, you know, I mean, it could be any disability, but she's the, she's the go-to girl and everyone in the industry like goes to her to get the breakdowns out. Um, and so I was like, oh, there, there are more Christines out there. And then I met these, like the disability community at large, which was exciting for me as someone who had been in like a low vision bubble, because once you learn about disability, like as a community, and also as um, just learning about the various like uh, 
I don't want to say trials, but just like the, the, like the struggles and the, just the unfair stuff that everyone like in different groups has to go through, be it mobility, be it, you know, I mean, I could think of anything and there's just so like, you can't not get frustrated and you can't not want to help and you can't not, or at least I was, I was like, well, this is, this isn't like my friends in wheelchairs have showed up to auditions that are on the second floor and there's no elevator. Like what? And so I was just enraged. And so, uh, learning about all this made me want to get back and, and, and meet more people, uh, doing this work and, and do the work in general. Um, wow. I'm talking a mile a minute, so I'm sorry, but this just, fires me up. <laughs> um, and then in 20, 2017, I did this off-Broadway show called Bastard Jones and that like really changed stuff for me. Um, because the, the casting team wanted a cast that mirrored the, the way that America, like, like they wanted their cast to look like America in race, in disability, and you know, gen gender, uh, sexuality, like all of it. So it was interesting. We had a nine-person cast, and like, because 25% of Americans have a disability, two out of the nine of us like had a disability. Um, you know, it was just the the cast was so dynamically representative of what our country looks like, um, in, in in like race and age and what's interesting is it was like a rock musical set in the times of like powdered wigs and corsets. Um, but the script never said anything about how we had to look or not look. And the show never commented on how woke it was. Like they just made the choice and then we did the show. And it was once as an actor, I had an opportunity like that. I thought in my head, like I can never not do shows like this. Like, once I worked with a cast like that and saw how like the creativity was like, I mean, explosive. Um, and the, the points of view were just so dynamic. And it's so funny because when we would go out to meals and stuff as a cast, it literally was like, this is like, this is the most like band of like, like we just, you know, we just looked so like on the surface like how are all these people like you know but it, we were just such a family and it was so exciting and so that was another opportunity that was like well every show should be like this and i'm not gonna stop until more shows <laughs> are looking like this and be that in their casting be that who's behind the table be that who's creating um the the costumes and the sets and who's in the house and um, so that really got my brain turning and then, you know, things just continued to evolve and, um, the documentary series happened and then inclusion consulting kind of happened out of that, um, as well. What was the documentary series? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I have a series, um, called Able and it, it was on Amazon prime for about a year, a year. And we just actually are moving it to a different platform right now. So I wish I could be like link in bio, but <laughs> we're moving it to a different platform because folks from a lot of different countries have been wanting to use it in their curriculum and use it and it's not available to them. So we're trying to, and it's like, everyone's like, Oh, you're taking it off Amazon. Like that was such a great opportunity for y'all. And we're very thankful for it. But if it's a show about accessibility, then we need to make it accessible to literally anyone who wants to see it. Um, and we're not in it for the dollars. <laughs> we're in it for getting this truth out there. So we're in the process of switching platforms. Uh, and so 
I wish I had that info for y'all right now. It's so hard to be like, yeah, we have this documentary series and it's been on Amazon and now it's in the void, but it's coming. Where do you have a newsletter or do you? Yeah. Yeah. I I have stuff on my website. I'll send out a newsletter and then also you can check out the able website too, ableaseries.com and then allybgore.com. But I send out little inclusion tidbits every now and then too. of just like, you know, here's how to make your social media accessible or here's how, you know, to talk about disability when someone in your family says something that is like real ableist. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah. So where's the best place for people to follow you? Um, and like yeah. some of these different projects, you might as well plug that now. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Allybegory.com. And then also I'm pretty active too with, with just advocacy stuff too on Instagram. So if you follow at Allie BG. I put in a lot of tidbits there too. You get a lot of silliness there, but you also get some tidbits. What kind <laughs> of silliness? Oh, I mean, just, I'm just a, a nut. I mean, I just, um, just, you know, anything from Birmingham adventures to like blind girl missteps to, you know, I mean, there are just so many things that we don't think about and you have to be able to laugh at yourself too, as someone with a disability, like there was an, there was sometime like one that I went to put on like eye cream before I went to bed. And then I had like toothpaste all over because I was like, Oh, there we go again. I was like, this is, people got to see like, this is funny. Like this is funny stuff. Uh, there's just so many things that you, you know, that happen when you do have a disability and if you can't laugh at yourself and it's all just like sad and like, Oh, another thing I can't do. Or like another time I messed up, like, whatever you know it's 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 all about how you look at it so I like to share some of those moments and like some of the moments that are like really tough are like oh you know to share that like you know there are more accessible ways to handle screen time <laughs> or just get off your screen to be honest but yeah uh, I like that saying um you should always take your work seriously but never take yourself seriously something like that yeah yeah something. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so what about artistically right now? Like how, how are you, how's your artist self doing? I know you're doing, now it's arts and medicine. That's what it's called. Arts and medicine. Yeah. That's the, that's what the degree is called. Um, um, and how are you like nurturing your artistic self right now? Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice question. Um, and it's something that is, um, it's been one of the best parts about grad school is we have to do this thing called a a creative practice blog. And so each week we like are studying our own creativity basically and documenting like what happens in our own creative process. So you can either participate in like one form of art, like one medium each week. So like, you know, just that there are dancers and all they want to do is dance. Well, they can, but I'm specifically trying to engage in a different form of art each week. So like, one week I might be working on, you know, we literally had to create one of the, one of the projects was like create a, a new original piece of work. And I was like, no, I'm an interpretive artist. Like I don't do that. Um, and I was like, but I'm going to try songwriting for a week. And I, I play instruments. I sing like, I know chord structure, let's go. And then, you know, so it's been interesting because I don't know without this degree, if I would be as, um, or this, this pursuit of this degree that I would be as like willing to vary up my creative practices. Like, you know, I love to move. I love to take virtual dance class. I love to sing, but like, would I ever try painting? Like probably not because <laughs> I suck at it, but it's great. You know, you don't have to be good at it 
to like, I was doing a painting project last week and all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, for an hour. Like I was in a zone. Like I was in a zone that, and nothing could touch me and nothing could get me out of it. And like, that's amazing. So it's, it's weird. You know, I think at the first part of, of this quarantine time, you know, we were all doing zoom readings and we were all like, uh, maybe not, we were all, but I was definitely like, let me do all like 10 zoom plays and like, you know, oh, my friend wrote a Zoom pilot. I mean, I'm still doing a little bit of that, but I don't have to feel like I have to be doing that to be uh, full or like to make meaning as an artist. I think it can come in like really subtle ways. And I'm learning, especially being here where the pace is so slow, um, that like taking it slow and like learning how to do some new, you know, finger picking on your instrument or learning how to uh you know play this this chord or, or sing in this style like that's just as exciting as like like oh well I knocked out my goal role this month and like this month I you know got cast in this non-union voiceover for yo play like it's just it's it's cool because I feel like there's not a um there's like no bounds on creativity right now. And it's fun to just like test that. Yeah. Yeah. That's been one of my favorite things. It's just like the space. Yeah. Um, Cause also it's like, yes, New York definitely does move at a fast pace. Um, but also like we always have the option to take our time a little bit more than we, give ourselves permission to yeah yeah it's been so you know when I first got to Birmingham and and really until maybe two or so months ago I was struggling because I had I felt like I had all this energy and it wasn't like my internal world and my external world were like a total clash um and and you know because in New York the, the the high energy of the city like feeds my energy so I don't ever feel like in a clash right and here I was like something is so wrong like I feel like I have all this to give and nowhere to go with it and all this stuff and um it's been interesting the longer I'm here to like give myself permission to like relax into it and to see into the pace here and to see how that actually really serves what I like try to create and like my ability to create things feels like there is more kindness and generosity and like ease in it than like you have to do this and you have to do that and like hit this mark and uh I love it I love the ability to like find find more space and like be okay with the um time it takes to to make or produce or uh, you know create something yeah yeah um have there been any like favorite discoveries during this time of like like you mentioned painting but i and like oh i suck at it but it's funny also i find we don't a lot of times um really have like a an objective <laughs> view on like our own work like, I think you develop that, like, with acting and stuff like that. You develop it over time, like, how to analyze your work. But for mm -hmm. things that you haven't really tried, 
you have like a subjective vision of what it is, but somebody else might see your painting and love it. You know what I mean? And $50. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then also sometimes you find, like I I find, Oh, actually, like, I think I am kind of good at this thing that I never tried before. doesn't mean I'm a, doesn't mean there's not plenty to learn, but it's like, Hmm, this, that zone you're talking about, like when you get into yeah. a zone with something, I think there's something there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I felt that in a sense with, so in New York, I did a lot of um, teaching artist stuff and taught it with, with all types of kids and in some adults too, but mostly kids. Um, and it's, it's been interesting because I, I did it because I loved it, but I didn't realize like, oh, this is like something that, that is, is a, either like a gift or just something that like really like gets me going. And I've recently had some opportunities to step back into teaching. Um, and it just, it does something. And that's been something I've realized during this time. Um, I've started teaching, um, you know, some, some beginner theater classes, but also I, I teach yoga and Pilates as well. And like even stepping into those, those positions. And like, if I do that before I go to my corporate job, if I teach to say yoga class at six in the morning, and then I walk into work and I notice that that hour I spent like, you know, creating a sequence and, and teaching the class and then, um, getting to like be in community, even if it's virtual, um, or socially distant, you know, cause I guess Alabama might be taking it a little faster than they should, but, uh, <laughs> woof. uh, but even a socially distant class, right. Uh, being in that kind of create, like it's so, it, it really like, I don't know. It like, I can go into the rest of my day feeling this sense of, of fuel and like, and I think I would, if I got up and wrote or if I got up and, and, you know, did anything really creative I would still be able to to take that into work with me but because that's so new in my own development of being here and taking those extra jobs it's like wow engaging in that creative part of your brain before you have to like do the like um cubicle kind of work it makes the rest of your day just so much richer because you've started it off and given yourself the space to I don't know. It just you, you. You feel alive. You feel like you're doing what you're meant to be doing. So now I'm like, ooh, the artist way. I'm, maybe we'll <laughs> step back around. But I, you, I get it. You know, I get why doing something creative early is a help. I've started the artist way many, many times. I've <laughs> done like the first few chapters many, many times, and like usually what happens like or not usually every time i've done it like something outside shifted majorly like in a in a good way um to the point where sometimes it was like things something i was pursuing didn't work out the way i wanted it to and hit a moment where i'm like all right i'm gonna do some internal work i'm gonna let like to kind of let that thing go and I've yeah. had like the literal thing come back around, like to like to that point where it was like, oh, the thing that launched me into doing this um, came back. But then I 
stop doing it. But it's like, yeah, I think there's something about coming back to things um, is really what it's all about. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. It's being here in Alabama too. A lot of people in my family play bluegrass music and it's like coming back to the roots of that and like singing that and like, you know, coming back to, to, I mean, there's so many ways we can come back to our creativity, come back to reading a book for the eighth time. Uh, but you know, it, it is, it gives us like, there's a familiar familiarity when we come back to old practices, be that creative, be that just like ritual things that, like we're, we already start back like with a sense of ease and comfort because we've been there before. And so then we can like, we start from a different place, right? If that makes sense. Like we can um, almost like increase our potential and possibility because we start with something we, like we're not reinventing the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Something I've been thinking about, and I think this relates to like, disability inclusion and diversity inclusion in general um and kind of the election that's coming up um Mm -hmm. not just that but kind of the state of politics i feel like there's a question but i've started i'm trying to like get really clear on this question and this wording um and it's like I definitely want to force our elected leaders and, and our anybody who wants to be a leader to answer this question um, if I'm going to support them. And it's basically, it's basically about empathy, yeah. um, but it's really basic. And it's just, do you care about people outside of yourself? Because um, I feel like most people, most religions, most like values – say that as like a core thing is like care about a cornerstone yes yeah but it feels like right now like it's been lost or it's like a lot of and everyone's clinging to like just oh it drives me nuts especially yeah yes and it's interesting you know being back in alabama and also you know like i identify as a christian i always have and you know it's it's just there's there's even within every identity there's like a million subgroups and with every you know whatever but but being here in this time it's like oh my gosh it's wild how our identities blind us um sometimes like we're so committed to like maintaining this this these ideals and these views and then in our commitment to that we're leaving everyone else out and i do i think that is such a great question and you know, of course, people would hear that and be like, well, of course I, 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 but then when you really ask, like, think about it, stew on it, like, write about it, because, mm-hmm. our, like, what are your actions supporting? Yeah, because, like, while I know the danger of a echo chamber, um, and I know New York is kind of a bubble, um, but one of the things specifically that I realized traveling that I love about New York, um, which I'm sure like London has this a little bit. Um, But I think New York is unique in this way is that, um, because I was going to say Paris, but Paris is a little bit interesting because of like the language. Um, And Mm -hmm. for good or bad, like English is 
kind of the right now the most universal language i think as far as like that's the one people learn around the world um so i guess the thing i'm saying though is like the thing i noticed last time i was in amsterdam is that if i go into like a like more all white like dutch bar um Mm -hmm people when people find out that i'm a black dude from america and specifically live in new york then people like in amsterdam say are like like that's pretty cool you know what i mean um but when i walk into a bar and they just like there's like this look where it's sort of like the question of who are you because you're not you're definitely like maybe you're dutch but you're not like what a Dutch person quote unquote looks like. Um, So what's your deal? And the thing I love about New York is it, to me, New York represents the melting pot idea that was supposed to exist because, and it's not a melting pot. There's still culture clashes and there's still problems here, but I don't think anybody can say that a New Yorker looks like X, Y, and Z. No. A New Yorker can be anybody. Thank you, yeah. Um, I miss it so much. Yes, you're really making me miss it now because I agree with you a bajillion percent. (laughs) And so then, like, the other thing, like, kind of thinking about the upcoming election and diversity and how different places are and, like, how the views are it's like most people if you come from like different places and you come to new york maybe you had so for example mexicans it's like there are a lot of places in the country where immigration is on people's minds because they feel like jobs have left but they actually don't know any actual mexicans Like, so they have a fear of people that they've never met. Um, And so I think, like, living in a place like New York where you're around all kinds of different people um, in non-COVID times, you're on the subway sitting right next to people of all classes, all races, all beliefs, all different languages. People come from all over the world here. Um, It's very hard to maintain stereotypes in your mind. because they all get, yeah, they all get challenged or they all get, exactly. yeah, and in, in, in the best possible way. I mean, that's why I'm so, I like want everyone to, to spend time in New York because it, it just helps you. I mean, anyone, I feel like just drop what you, what you expect or what is the norm because like that doesn't exist, like in a sense. Mm-hmm. And then bridging that from like racism, um, inaccessibility for people with um, disabilities, like whatever it is, it's like, how do, how do we get people to care about these things um, simply because like you should care about other people and if people different people have different experiences and if people are 
hurting because of things, like that's why we should work to make things better, you know, just because we care about people. Yes, exactly. Um, like, you know, there are certain things, and that's what like I wish that we could, right? I wish that like we could all just be like, "Yep, you care," so like we're gonna we're gonna change or we're gonna work to be better, and. I wish it was like that. I find I find that sometimes with the disabilities community in general, or not, it's hard to make any generalizations because disability is so broad. But like, when I talk to people about it who just don't get it, like they're like, I don't get why we should have to pay disabled people the same amount as not. Like it's like like you you wouldn't believe some of the conversations I've had. Um, but you know, people don't realize too. It's certain with certain like every, I feel like every group or you know, whatever group we're talking about or wanting to advocate for like there's certain like things that you just can't argue with like that I'm like if this doesn't help you build your empathy I don't know what will because any person like disability is the only club that any person could join at any time and like once that is like I would hope that someone would hear that and be like well damn maybe I need to challenge what I think about disability because this could be me tomorrow you know yeah Yeah, um, that was making me think also of just like the issue of minimum wage. And also we were like, well, this, and it's like, yeah, but like basically there should be no job that we look down on so much that like you don't think somebody should like have a decent livable wage. Like Mm -hmm. if we say we value work, it's like. Value work. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's just I hear because you. again, yeah, anybody can lose their high-paying job at any time. Like, yeah. yeah. Yes. And I think we just don't realize how um, temporary everything is, right? It's like what you were saying earlier about realizing, you know, that that you're aging. That we're all like, you know, everything is so temporary, and we get so attached to identity and and roles and like ideals that we forget the the ability for things to just change on a dime Mm -hmm. and then when when it does happen we are like just so struck by it and we're not i i you know i'm all about like building resilience and doing that kind of work now like love me some therapy love me all you know like i'm love i i mean i'm always trying to read and learn just about like, what can I be doing to like work on my own uh, ability to handle discomfort, distress, whatever it is now? So that if something really wild happens, you know, I, it's not gonna take me down in a sense that like that it might have before because I've done some work right. already. Yeah, like that's been a big thing of mine too. Like when we're talking about mental health and stuff like that, it's <laughs> like, um just kind of like because again I was at the uh at the doctor yesterday and Mm -hmm. like they like a few years ago the last time like I did just a regular physical they did a questionnaire on like depression and I knew I was like a little bit depressed at the time but they kind of said something about like you know you don't it's not that you don't have to be but like there's you can address this. You don't just have to just accept it. You can like address it, which started, but like before that I was diagnosed with like a adult ADD, there was like this adult ADD. Yeah. So mental health is on my mind, but like 
I kind of just said with depression, just like, yeah, I, I've dealt with depression before, whatever. I'm just somebody who deals with that. Deals with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then thinking about mental health, it's like the way that I think about it now is kind of like what you said. It's like yoga or the gym or these things that we do for our bodies physically. um, Definitely, like if you get an injury, a lot of times you're going to have to do like physical therapy. You're going to have to do some of these things. But if you do yoga, if you stretch, um, just if you take care of your body in general, you're less likely to get injured. Um, mm-hmm. And if and you- the rebounds do, are quicker. Exactly. Um, and so similar, yeah, with mental health, it's like, yeah, like I am working on med- meditating regularly. Yeah. Um, and also for me, yeah, the martial arts, the those things are good for my mental health too. But it's like, yeah, I'm working- when I'm in a healthy mind state to build mental practices so that when like I'm not feeling my best mentally, yeah, I'm able to like process it differently, you know? Yes. Oh, is that your dog? Yep. Yep. There they go. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, my, my family, even though I'm living in uh, we love a Slide real quick. Hey. No worries. Come on. Come on. Come on, Buzzy. So when they get going, they just, they keep going. Well, my parents, you know, I'm living in my own place in Birmingham, but I lived with them for a while when I first got here. Um, and they adopted two dogs. <laughs> and it's nice. so fun. Um to come to their house and be surrounded. Their names are Jello and Pepper and having, cause you know, they're older, so we didn't get to pick. So I have a dog named Jello now and it's, it's great. <laughs> nice. But yeah, no, I'm just, I'm so it's, I'm just thankful to be able to even have these kind of conversations too about, about mental health in regards to a lot of this, because I mean, it is, it is, I think the piece of the conversation that's missing in, in a lot of even like advocacy discussions and a lot of political discussions and a lot of the tough discussions, like we're so quick to jump to our views and our thoughts and why, but also like, like what's happening up here that's like forming those views, right? Because like, we don't just have views. We have like these like vast rich life experiences that sometimes we don't even address and they play a big impact. So yeah, doing that work of, of not necessarily just accepting everything you think to be true but like challenging it and then knowing that maybe there's there's ways of of changing or shifting or or um i don't know or or you know believing even more <laughs> you know I, I don't know but I, i'm glad that that we address that because i think that is that's key and and it's i think there's less stigma around you know talking about mental health as now than there was but there still is and so so important to address it's 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 again like disability it's like so intersectional <laughs> you know it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't matter yeah and and all of it is like everything everything is intersectional that's like the thing yes that's so frustrating about like when i see apathy it's like yeah. you might think this stuff doesn't affect you but it really does affect us all like mm-hmm. it does yes 
Yeah. I do know. And it's, yeah, it's like, how, how do we help folks find the, find those intersectional points? And like, that's, that's something that I get to do a lot in Alabama. Um, was in a book study this week, uh, with, with the company actually on the book, the person you mean to be, which I know that you've talked about on this podcast before. Um, but you know, there was like an old, old, older white dude that was like, so if I'm like in this industry, that's like, you know, dominated by like white dudes is like uh, that means i have privilege and we were like yes <laughs> yeah it does but like until you like take that moment to be like wait okay and then and then so and then he was like but then he went further to be like oh but like i can do something here to help someone in a position where like they don't need to like feel like they have to speak up all the time and we were like bingo sir but like you know even like facilitating those moments that like take and it might feel like you're stepping back to 1901 <laughs> to get there, but but yeah, it's it's just it's so it's so interesting. Yeah, and on privilege, it's like that intersection. It's like just like I think the thing about empathy and like about thinking about others, um, about gratitude. Like this goes hand in hand with gratitude with me. So it's like with privilege for white men in particular because um this is where like sometimes there's the biggest blind spot um, yeah. um just because it's like a straight white christian man that is the status quo american like mm-hmm. that is that that's just a fact um yeah. and and but what it means it doesn't mean because you have privilege that you haven't had to work hard. It doesn't mean that you haven't faced like true adversity. It does not mean that like at all. Like we all have challenges. Um, We all deal with things that aren't fair. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, yes, like there's privilege that I have as a man. Like, so it's like, if you start to like, like just zoom out a little bit like it's like there is privilege that i have and since i'm born in the usa i'm a u.s citizen i understand what the rights that i'm supposed to have under the law are that i'm supposed to have the freedom of thought and freedom of speech and so yes like i'm very critical of of this place and of the injustices that i see but i also yeah understand that i have privilege yeah. I have the privilege, like, um, of being an American citizen, which people born into third world countries do not have, like, the same not have. same yeah. opportunity that I have. Like, so it's just, you know, you can just go, and then it's like, as far as, like, gratitude, it's like, yes, I'm grateful to be alive right now, to be able to have this conversation with you over Zoom. And guess what? Like, yeah, another one like from being alive is like yeah i'm relatively healthy Mm -hmm. like yeah um you know what i mean like that's i really do and i think that whole idea that you said i'm just i'm i keep thinking about it but because i think that you know the word privilege makes a lot of people like clench you know (laughs) like everything in their body and it's like, I want people to hear that word and also think about, okay, how can I zoom out here? 
because that's exactly, I mean, you were talking about people need to learn to zoom out um, because when we do learn to zoom out, I mean, exactly. You can see privileges that you, that you might have within, within a community that you're a part of, right? Like even one thing I've been thinking about a lot in the disability community and, and how folks have responded um, just to lots of things going on in the world lately is like, even within the disability community, there is, you know, walking privilege, talking privilege, like privilege to be able to live on your own, like privilege. Like, it's just, it's, it's so interesting. And I then can think of the, mm-hmm, a huge one, like, cause we were talking about it, like mental health. To like, have access to that. Yeah. And also like to be like, if you have like a brain, like you have like a certain level of IQ like mm-hmm. the ability to like process process and think like it's huge you know yeah. what i mean like without that. Like that yeah it, it's so not loaded like it's not loaded it's just the ability to zoom out and I, mm-hmm. I wish that so much of the conversations we're having we could like just like take the backpack of rocks that we're all wearing off about how you know because it's it's it, it it's just like a lot of times it's facts and it's the ability to like see a 360 degree picture mm-hmm. and i was just thinking because a lot of times people are like well what am i supposed to do like give it up like it's not my fault and blah 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 but there's also another way i think to look at it which sometimes gets me kind of charged up mm-hmm. and it's like when i think about the past when i think about heroes from the past um couple were strolling through my head since we've been talking today one one i was thinking of was martin luther king because of yeah, like yeah. the letters from birmingham hello birmingham um, <laughs> and then kind of like malcolm x uh you know there's other like civil rights leaders but then one that i think of a lot is like muhammad ali um who yeah stand for like beliefs he's like a championship athlete um and sacrificed his career many times like he kept winning the title back and like that's that's like what his legacy is about or like a nelson mandela just basically there are people who have done things that i believe in that came before me who had it way harder than me and maybe because of what they did maybe i don't have to do that same thing but that's a privilege yeah, that I have right now that I'm not facing the exact same thing that they were. Like they did that thing. It had an right. impact. Your starting point is different because of what they did, right? Yes. It's like what I have to remind myself all the time about any kind of advocacy work is that like you have got to think about the millions of people that have been like busting their butts so that you can even open your dang mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and- and then we have the privilege to either carry that forward or do nothing. Or just be like, like they did it, like, good. Right. Yeah, I think about that a lot with the ADA, right? Because, like, so many people fought for the Americans with Disabilities Act. And then a lot of our, like, businesses and, and organizations are like, yep, it's there. We did it. And I'm like, oh, what's so funny is that, like, that is a something that like literally makes some places not even all places but like some places accessible but then access doesn't equal inclusion so like you know it's it's an inclusion doesn't equal belonging so it's like okay like um 
you know, we think we can't get lost and like, oh, well, this law was passed, like, yay. And like, now what, you know, how are you going to continue that? And then like, give back to those people that work so hard so that you could experience, you know, enjoy what you're enjoying. Um, how can you not only like live your dang life, but like make sure that the people that come after you are going to have it better than you did. Mm -hmm. I was listening to Michael Gervais. Uh, yes. Oh, I love his podcast. Yeah. Um, but he has an audible find finding mastery an audible version like kind of of the course that they do and i'm listening to that um going through like I, like i need to go and sit down and do the exercises as they come but one yeah. concept he talks about is um like planes when they're flying um actually the nose has to be pointed up to main to stay level um, and mm -hmm. even when planes land, a lot of times the nose has to be pointed uh, up. Um, so basically like thinking about that, both for like goal setting, like in that we have to like raise the bar for what, where we want to go in order to even stay level. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we really need to raise the bar way higher. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I've just been thinking about that a lot. Like, No, like, I also love that idea. Yeah. Of when we land, like when we think we've done thing or like whatever, like, no, we got to keep our noses pointed up. Not our, not, no, that sounds snooty. No, not like turn your, you know what I'm saying? Our, right. our metaphorical plane noses up. Yeah. <laughs> we have to keep aiming higher. Yeah. Yeah. So even at the landing, I love that. I just love, also love the idea of no arrival point, right? Like, I think that yeah. is the most universal thing that we can think about in all this kind of work is that like, we're not doing it to like check it off or, or get to the finish line. And that's a big one to me. Cause I was just thinking about that question. Cause I feel like corporations a lot of times for the past 50 years have been focused on making more money, but it's mm -hmm. like, I need to think higher than that. Like what, like about raising ideals, like there's more to life than making money. Yeah. Like that's, I get it. Like that's a starting point for a company, but like, what about having impact? What about making change? Right. Um, I'm going off on tangents too. No, I'm here for it. I mean, yes, I am so here for it. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about today? <laughs> Dang, I'm just, this has been such good conversation. It's just, I'm just so thankful to, to get to chat with you. Um, God, you know, we've covered such good ground and so much that I feel like is, is so like you can apply to so many different areas and avenues. It's like you can read, you know, you can look at things through different lenses, right? I always like to think, okay, well, how can I use this principle that I learned and then apply it to this other thing? So I think there's just so many like dot connecting opportunities that we got to go through today. And like that is what's so exciting to me. Um, I just, I'm so excited to be chatting with you because I've listened to your podcast and all the folks that you have on here are just some of my, you know, I have learned so much from folks I don't know, but then the ones that I do, I'm like, God, these are like just such, such 
game-changing people uh, that are doing such good work. So I just, it's, it's exciting to get to, get to follow some of those folks. Uh, Cause I love, Shout I love out to you Jen to too for bringing, bringing Come on, together right? and for like, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Cause I went there for acting and for acting business stuff. And then like reconnected with like my purpose. My life's purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's It's been so interesting to like feel more connected to myself than I ever have, but not be performing for like the past almost. I mean, it's going to be like a year soon, you know? I mean, it's not yet. We're only like halfway to a year, but still. Uh, it's just, it is so interesting though, because of the the community that she has facilitated and the folks that we get to talk to and learn from, like artistry is like a bonus. Like getting to be an artist is like the, the bonus, but like getting to learn how to like engage with the world and the people in it and to like find what you like, find your own contribution so that you can go out and like shake it up. That's what it's about. Like that and and to have like a acting teacher teach that kind of stuff like what so and then i think I it it circles back around too because i think being better human like more empathetic intelligent humans um the better you can approach and build characters you know because you doesn't that make you so excited about when we get to do this again mhm <laughs> I've been playing shuffle on my iPod a lot. iPod? What what year am I in? Like 1991. Um, I've been pressing shuffle on my music a lot these days. And, you know, I use Spotify for everything. But on my iPhone, like, I would say the music hasn't been updated since, like, 2012. Um, so it's, like, all my iTunes stuff. And uh, it's, so it's all musicals because I didn't know that other genres of music existed back then. Uh, but it makes me so, like, I just get giddy when I go in the car and I, you know, ask to shuffle the songs uh, because I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is, I've never thought about applying this to that and this to that. And, like, I can't, I'm so hungry to get back in. And, like, there have been some amazing performances in the car lately. But it's just because life is so rich. Like, it's because, like, life is so, we have this, like, space to really uncover a lot about our place in the world and, like, however big or small that is in the moment that we are going to be able to, to bring back to, to anything that we approach as an artist. Like it's, it's thrilling. It really is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's also and thrilling for anyone who's on the highway at the stoplight too to watch the commitment level. <laughs> and are you involved um, like with the theater scene in Birmingham? Theater? Yeah, I am actually. So I, we, it's so funny. We have a great scene here and everyone's like, that's hilarious. You're from, you know, Alabama. And I'm like, no, it's Birmingham. Okay. It's different. Um, but it, there's a great theater scene here and I grew up, uh, in it. Um, and you know, we would have like the, the big, the biggest regional theater here would be amazing. Like as a 10 year old, like I would, I'd be like, oh yeah, I sang in concert with James Robert Brown this year. Or like, oh yeah, Billy Porter taught us today. And like, we didn't think anything of it. Like this theater just like gave, like brought these opportunities down for the kids. And so, you know, I, one day I would love to, to do things for this theater, like to give back to it, everything it's given to me. Um, but they actually have been doing really cool things here. There was, they've been doing some drive-in uh, performances where they pre-record it, but they act like it's live. 
and it'll be like the symphony, the ballet, this theater company, and the opera here. And we'll, you know, piece together concerts. So I've gotten to perform in one of those and then, you know, just different performances here, like benefits for, ch for different charities and organizations and um, trying to get involved in that space as well. Cause I love, I love benefits and, and the like helping people plan those, even if they're virtual. Um, but yeah, theater here, I mean, any of the regional or like, you know, equity slash professional theaters are, you know, not having any, any theater, you know, um, but I am, you know, doing teaching artist stuff for them on the weekends sometimes and anything via Zoom just because I want to plug into the theater here. And like they, it really stunk because I was actually coming to do a, a series at the, at the theater that I was just mentioning here about disability inclusion in the arts and was going to show some of the documentary and have Josh Castile, who's my friend, who's a deaf uh, performer. He was in Spring Awakening Revival. He was going to come down and we were going to do a cabaret together. And that literally like he was down here, we were ready to go. And then the day of the show was like the day that Alabama got the first like couple COVID cases and they canceled it. Um, so, you know, I've been trying to plug in ever since then. Cause I was like, well, I'm here. So like, let's get to work. Um, but it's exciting. Like there's a big Alabama council of theater that's having a, they, for the first time ever, which I mean, you know, it's happening. So I'm not going to say, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it, but they have like a, uh, equity, diversion, diversity, inclusion, uh, you know, team that's dedicated to changing like their manual, how theaters here are being trained to, you know, train their staff and whatever. So I'm just excited to be able to plug into that here because again, it feels like there's more work, a little more work to do, but it's more exciting to be in a place where you can actually like watch that happen instead of just being like, yay, like I'm, we're doing it and you've already been doing it for 10 years. Like, it's fun. It's fun to, to help something in its like beginning stages. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I definitely get more excited talking to people with different views versus preaching to the choir. Preaching to the choir is fun. But it's fun because like, I love, I mean, hello, Broadway inspirational voices. Like, let's go. <laughs> I love preaching to the choir, but like it is, and it's great to, again, hear people say like, you are, yeah, like, let's do it. I've got your back. Um, but it's more exciting. I think, I mean, that, that is like energy, right? And I, I, I thrive on that high energy, but it's also exciting to be like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. Or like, oh, that's a small change I could implement tomorrow. And then you're like, yes, like uh, just to watch those like tiny milestones and changes begin to add up for folks and, and, and just to watch the aha moments. Like, I think we all love to help. I think it's why Jen is so great and why we all love her is because she facilitates so many aha moments. And so then I think we as artists that have been trained and, you know, taught by her, it is our job to help facilitate more aha moments in the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's been great sitting, talking with you, um, talking to a fellow light bulb. Looks like things are getting a little choppy there. Um, am yeah, I coming through choppy? Having... No, but if I'm choppy, it's because we're in like the middle of a nice rainstorm, a tender, tender uh, Alabama rainstorm. <laughs> oh, well, you're actually coming through clear for some reason. I'm bouncing back through my speaker choppy. So I was worried it was choppy in your end, but you're actually coming. Oh no, they're clear and smooth. 
Um, so I wanted to just say thanks for sitting down. Um, it's always good talking with another light bulb. Um, for those listening, um, the Jen we were talking about is Jen Waldman, and sometimes we call ourselves light bulbs. Um, and hopefully, yeah, you listening, you'll be other light bulbs. Um, like Ali was saying, you know, like we lift each other up basically is the idea. Um, yeah. And illuminate possibilities for each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, are there any final parting thoughts you have on, like, things that have worked for you, like, when you are feeling kind of down? I think you said, like, maybe when you first moved there or whatever, but, like, kind of when, when you kind of go on, like, a mental dip what are some practices that have like helped you process out of that? And then also um, people that want to like be more aware about disability inclusion, what are some things people can do or at least be aware of um, to try to yeah. yeah, well, I can, I could send you a handful of resources in terms of, of disability inclusion stuff. But one thing I'll encourage, because I know a lot of artists listen to this podcast, I encourage you to, a, a great first step is to look at what you're consuming content-wise, play-wise, musical-wise, who's writing it, who's in it, and just notice where disability is. And you probably might not see it. But, <laughs> but to even like have that awareness about disability in the world, and, uh, and, and in your world where you are, like my disability awareness, like in New York is so different because you see, I mean, just the, the hundreds of people you see every day is so different than the people I see in Birmingham, Alabama, where there's not really public transportation that, you know, everyone's taking all the time. Um, there is, but I mean, it's, it's not like the subway or the bus or the whatever in New York. So I would encourage you to just look at where you are seeing disability in your own life and the response you have when you do see it and the kinds of stories, if you're consuming it in your content, what is it, like, what are the stories telling you about disability? Are they, like, a trope, or is it, like, someone being pitied, pitied, or is it a villain, or is it, like, a, you know, uh, is it an archetype, or is it just a person, like, are you watching The Politician, and you see Ryan Haddad, like, you know, who's just, like, living his life, and he happens to have a disability. Uh, I just encourage you to just look and take a take a little inventory of, of it in your life because until you are really aware of maybe your own thoughts about it um it's hard to like want to step in so i would just like tell you to zoom out again we're going to think about zooming out a lot in this episode but um to just like have a general knowledge and then once you kind of understand where you are then you know i can share with you alex some resources on like next steps or how to show up and advocate uh but it's got to start with the deep uh, inventory first. Um, and then, oh gosh, I forgot your other question. Oh, practices to, to, for like, for like self-care in this time when like there's so much happening and like, um, I have to remind myself and you, again, like we can choose how we want to view, we can choose how we want to respond to things. So I really helps me to remind myself that the work of inclusion and belonging is infinite work. And like some people might hear that and be like, it is so stressful. Like you'll never be done. Oh my God. 
but I actually find that to give, it gives me a sense of like breath because it's not going to be done tomorrow. And like, I can go to bed without doing like 44 things and like, it'll be okay because like, uh, I'll never be done. So like, it doesn't give me a pass to not do anything. Um, but it helps me a lot. And again, in, in, in times like these two where our country is going through so much, um, our friends and neighbors are going through so much mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, um, you know, so much old, like trauma can be resurfaced in times like this. Like, it's just tough to find grounding practices for yourself. Like it's so important and it can be like, just like a list of maybe five things so that when you're getting to that point of like, this is too much or this is too overwhelming, like you have a little autopilot list so where you're not scrambling when it gets to be too much or too hard. You're like, oh, but you know what I can do? I can meditate. Or you know what I love? Going out, being outside and like engaging my senses and like feeling the air on my skin and like crunching the leaves or like whatever it is. So to have that like thing, those things that you can automatically go to, to like, I don't want to say refill your well, because it's not going to do that a lot of the time, but it'll get you back to your neutral. <laughs> like it'll get you back to your, your ability to give and receive in all kinds of <laughs> ways Be that as an advocate or just a human being, but you've got to find those things that can just get you back to your baseline. Cool. So, I love it. Yeah. God, Alec, I love talking with you. I'm so pumped to, to just keep listening to your show and keep hearing about what you're doing. It's been hard to be away from the JWS community because I feel a little, a little disconnected from folks, but then it's moments like these where I'm like, but, but just to like have these conversations is so, so encouraging and and it fuels me for sure yeah and for the most part even though you're physically away we're all just a screen away anyway these days um yes so you know we can get back anytime we want (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's good to see you as well always a pleasure and yeah let's keep the conversation going Let's keep it rolling. All righty. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. So that was my conversation with Ali Bigori. Check out our links in the show notes. I'll have the links to Abel in there, the documentary series. I believe it's now available on YouTube and CGTV, but the links to the website will be in the show notes so you can find out exactly where you can watch that. Um, as well as Allie's article in American Theater Magazine, her website, her Instagram. Follow her all those places. Follow all of those things. She is a beam of sunshine. Um, She's a light bulb. I hope that her ideas and the ideas we talked about spark a light in you that you can share with the world. And I hope that you believe in the golden rule. Um, I hope that you know that I believe in the golden rule. You know, we do our best with it. Maybe we make some mistakes sometimes, but like I hope it's something that we come back to and practice as a core belief. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let's build a more inclusive and accessible world for everybody. And also the other side of the golden rule is also remember to treat yourself how you believe you should treat others. That's an important one. Beating yourself up is not productive or helpful, does not serve the world. Beating people up um, outside of the martial arts gym does not serve the world. 
uh, I am an advocate for martial arts, of course, too. Um, but thank you very much for listening. That is the episode for today. As I said, the transcript also is in the show notes, so check that out. And if you want to sh- support the podcast, please subscribe to the Patreon, um, rate, review, share the podcast, subscribe to the newsletter. Um, but most importantly, you know, just thank you for listening. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Hannah. Um, it's pretty much a one man show, but um, Hannah Viederman is giving me uh, some help with it. Um, but it's still there's still a lot of work. So any support is appreciated. Your ears are appreciated. Um, And most importantly, the work that you do and whatever contribution you can make in the world, um, that's why I do the podcast. So I hope you make the thing. I hope you share it with the world. We all need it. And I hope to talk to you soon. So take care. Have a good one. Be kind to yourself and others. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Set you free to-